0: And part of the reason I've become so passionate about it is that even just looking at my peers and my friends and colleagues that are around my same age, I see that no one's really thinking about it. A lot of people are thinking about their retirement accounts and are really thinking about their 401ks and life insurance, but I, I really rarely hear the topic of discussion when it comes to estate planning.
1: plan. Does talking about your money make you Cringe. Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics, international speaker, Author and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen.
2: This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. Helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans. To find out more, visit dramy.life. Today, my guest is Maggie Lopez. She's an attorney with Errant Fox & Schiff. Uh, she assists clients with their estate planning, estate administration, and trust administration needs. It's very exciting. Uh, she is someone who was voted best lawyers, one to watch recently. And I have the honor of knowing Maggie Lopez from a group called Provisors that we're both in together. Uh, Today, Maggie and I are going to be talking about millennials and estate planning and the three myths that we want to bust wide open so millennials do a better job of taking care of themselves and their families. Welcome, Maggie, to the podcast.
0: Thanks, Kathleen. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
2: I am super psyched to have this conversation because I really believe in estate planning. I was someone who was raised by somebody who didn't have a lot of wealth, but certainly we talked about estate planning, trusts and wills a lot. Mm -hmm. And recently that pre-planning has paid off uh, on both sides of the family. So uh, not only is this something that I'm professionally interested in, it certainly is something that I'm uh, personally interested in. Before we jump into the main topic, Maggie, tell me a little bit about the work that you do. So I'm a trust and estates
0: attorney. As you said, I work for Aaron Fox Schiff. I counsel clients on their estate planning needs that can range from a basic estate plan to more advanced planning that we do with some of our higher net worth clients. I also work in estate administration and to a lesser degree, some trust administration as well. That is simply when someone passes away, what happens next? So those are the ways in which I service my clients. Um, And as you can imagine, there's a lot of counseling that happens with all of those realms. So I feel like this ties in super well with what we're gonna talk about today.
2: Yes and I also just want to highlight that you're a dancer aren't you outside I of am.
0: maybe <laughs> yeah. you're a dancing
2: a state attorney I don't know
0: dancing a state attorney yeah I I've been dancing since I was really little and danced competitively growing up danced in college uh, on a performance level and then have also been choreographing from college on and was part of a dance group called DanceWorks Boston for a really long time, and now I kind of I teach classes here and there, um, especially now with with having had a a child uh, back in September. She's going to be one soon. I've kind of taken it's taken a back seat, but I still very much am active in the community, taking classes and choreographing and all of that.
2: So, oh, anyone also so
0: wants. Uh, Yes. If anyone else wants a recommendation on classes in Boston, let me know. I'm your gal.
2: (laughs) Excellent. So estate planning, dance classes. So (laughs) let's get into the topic. So most millennials don't think that estate planning is something that they need to be focused on. It's kind of something that older people do. Mm -hmm. So why are you so passionate about and why do you think that millennials should get Their estate plans and documents in order sooner as opposed to later.
0: I'm a really big proponent on having the plan in place before a crisis hits. And, you know, this is generally speaking, not all millennials think this way, but a lot of millennials, you know, my generation included, is that you think, oh, I have so much time, or I, I'm so young, I don't have to think about that. Oh, I'm, I'm not wealthy enough to be thinking about that. And it's absolutely something you should be thinking about. You don't need to be an older person to have an estate plan. You don't need to have millions and millions of dollars to have an estate plan. There are documents that you want to have in place that are documents effective while you are living, not just ones that become effective at death. And that is really very much a common misconception. And part of the reason I've become so passionate about it is that even just looking at my peers and my friends and colleagues that are around my same age, I see that No one's really thinking about it. A lot of people are thinking about their retirement accounts and are really thinking about their 401ks and life insurance. But I, I really rarely hear the topic of discussion when it comes to estate plan. And I want to make that more of a consistent topic that we talk about, which is very much in line with what you do here at Breaking Money
2: Silence. Absolutely. Now you mentioned some of the myths, but what would you Mm -hmm. say are the biggest myths that millennials have? If you had to pick one or two. What are the biggest misconceptions that millennials have about estate planning? And then we'll talk a little bit about what does estate planning actually mean? Like, what are the documents that are included?
0: As I said earlier, one of the biggest myths is I'm too young for an estate plan, which is not, not the case. Naturally, younger people don't like to think about death um, or the fact that it could happen to them. But fortunately, it happens to people of all ages, not just the elderly. So it's absolutely something you should think about, especially you know if you're a new parent, you want to make sure that is in place as well. And I can get into more detail about that in a later segment. Um, another common misconception or a myth is that. You have to have substantial wealth. You don't. You know, if you have items that you want to dispose of in a certain way, those should be done through an estate plan. You want to make sure you have a power of attorney in place. You want to make sure you have a healthcare proxy in place, which I can also go into more detail in the next segment.
2: Well, you know what, let's just go into it now. So one of the things that came up for me is, you know, and this is a Gen Z, not a millennial, but if you're 18 and you're going off to college or you're taking a trip, you know, you could die, but you also could become, you know, disabled for a period of time. You could get hurt or, you know, something like that. And so a power of attorney around the finances as well as a healthcare proxy, how do those serve Uh, Millennials and even younger generations, and like what's the purpose of those documents?
0: So, I can start with the power of attorney. A durable power of attorney allows you to appoint an agent, and that agent then has the ability to access any of your finances, financial records, you know, be your proxy when it comes to speaking to a financial institution, being able to access your accounts. And so, in Massachusetts, we commonly do what's called a durable power of attorney, which means it's an a power of attorney that becomes effective right upon execution. So it's not a situation where you become incapacitated and then it comes in. That in the alternative is called a springing power of attorney. That comes into play once you are actually you know, declared to be incapacitated or unable to um, yeah, you're just physically incapacitated, so you can't attend to your affairs. But I recommend a durable power of attorney. Oftentimes, you name your spouse as your agent. A lot of the time, they're the natural selection because they're already someone that has access to your accounts perhaps or knows more about the accounts and what's in them you know sometimes if 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 you don't have necessarily a partner you can name a very trusted friend or a sibling just someone that is your go-to in the event something like that happens and again this doesn't necessitate you to have a lot of money this is a simple situation one example I like to give is you're away um, out of town and you have to sign some financial documents or you're trying to close on a property or something like that, you can designate that agent to do that in your effect and it just becomes something that is convenient for you. Um, and then on a more tragic note, something happens to you and you're unable to access your financial institutions, your banks, things like that. You have this person, this agent that is able to do so on your behalf. So in a situation that's already a bad situation. It doesn't become worse because you've had this agent, designated this agent, and you're able to manage your affairs through them.
2: I'm going to jump in before you go to the next one. Let me give you an example. Now, you know, I'm older than a millennial, but recently we had a situation on one side of our family where a parent uh, needed to be moved out of their home Mm -hmm. very quickly, has dementia. There was potentially, we don't know 100%, potentially some financial fraud or abuse going on. And so the fact that she had uh, signed a power of attorney way before this situation happened really simplified our lives during Mm. this crisis because we were Mm -hmm. able to very quickly execute the power of attorney and be able to make sure that we were protecting her both physically as well Mm -hmm. as financially. So. I have to tell you, I never thought I'd be in that situation, but Mm -hmm. I can't tell you the number of times, Maggie, I said to myself, thank goodness we got a power of attorney and healthcare proxy ahead of time. So just, you know, that's a real life story that unfolded in the last couple of months that really applies to this. And when I turned to my uh, nieces and nephews who are millennials, and I said, you know, We have it all set. We're all, you know, we have the estate plan. I'll give you a copy. They just breathed a sigh of relief. Like we're not going to repeat this pattern. We're going to make sure that people talk about it and and know about it. So I know you were going on to describe a different type of document, but I just want to chime in right there.
0: Yes, that's a wonderful example um, of a really sad situation where a power of attorney was very effective. So the the other document I was going to discuss is the healthcare proxy. Um, And that is a document that you designate an agent, a healthcare agent, and that person then can make decisions with respect to your medical care. And usually there's some sort of HIPAA authorization built in, or that's a separate document, and that gives you access, gives your agent access to your medical records. Um, So you want to make sure those two things are covered. And the healthcare proxy, unlike a durable power of attorney, uh, becomes effective when you are unable to act on your own. So in the event that you are in the hospital and you're unresponsive, you're alive, your doctors and your nurses are going to look to your agent to make those medical decisions on your behalf. And ideally, you have that discussion with your agent. So they know exactly what to expect exactly what your wishes are. And that's another very important document that is completely irrespective of, you know, age or wealth.
2: Yes, also very important uh, in a variety of situations. Mm -hmm. Now, just quickly, often people talk about a will. Is it a will that we need? Is it a trust that we need? And I know it's specific to individuals, but in general, what's the difference between those two documents? Because that's part of your estate plan as well.
0: So a will is your bread and butter document. It is a document that designates where your estate assets go upon your death. It also appoints fiduciaries. So, for example, if you have minor children, you can nominate guardians for your minor child in that document. You also nominate your personal representative, used to be called an executor, still called an executor in a few other states, to administer your estate. And then lastly, the will also governs your tangible personal property, you know, such as jewelry, furnishings, your car, you know, pets are technically tangible items as well. So if you have pets and you want them to go to a specific family member, you can make that known in your will as well. So the will can really be freestanding, so to speak, but there, the reason people implement a revocable trust is for a few reasons. A lot of people, uh, a lot of our listeners have heard of probate. Uh, What is probate? Probate is the process in which your estate is administered through the probate court. And it is it can sometimes be a very lengthy process and a cumbersome process. It's also... Completely subject to public record. So you don't, you really lack a sense of privacy when it comes to administering your estate if it's going through probate. So when you pass away, if you have any assets in your sole name, or say there was a beneficiary designation that named your estate, those assets will have to go through probate. People set up a revocable trust so that the will assets pour into the revocable trust. So a lot of people will do what's called a pour over will and a revocable trust in tandem. And really the meat of where your assets are going will be delineated in the revocable trust.
2: So part of what I'm realizing as you're talking, Maggie, is Mm -hmm. that it is the exact reason why you need to hire attorney because there are so many ins and outs between wills, trusts, Mm revocable pour overs that that's you know, I don't think people should be doing this on their own do, does anybody try to do like do it yourself? and if so, what are your thoughts about that? Oh
0: yes, I actually did one time have a client who used our services for a few documents but then also uploaded sent us like the legal zoom documents and said, oh, how are these for our powers of attorney? And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> let me please do them um, so it is funny I think, generationally, uh, not just millennials, but everyone right now is so used to doing things online and through apps and have kind of, you know, really quick turnaround um, without the services component, without the counseling component. And people think they can just, you know, rip a document off LegalZoom, for for example, you know, not to throw them under the bus, but um, it's not going to be tailored to your situation the way an estate planning lawyer would tailor it. And who knows if it would even be compliant uh, within your state. So I've seen some pretty, some pretty bad documents come out of that.
2: Yes. Early on in our marriage, my husband and I, we didn't do something online, but it was similarly not what you should be doing, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and We ended up bringing it to an estate attorney, and there was like this would do nothing but keep you in probate. I was like, okay, well, that was seventy five dollars wasted, and now we're going to move and actually pay a professional. Yeah, uh, so this is all such great information. We're going to take a quick break, uh, and then we're going to come back, and we're really going to talk a little bit more about how do you break money silence uh, as a millennial around estate planning. So we'll be back in a minute. Hey, this is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I am starting a new masterclass, Negotiate Your Fees with Confidence. It is starting this fall, and I want you to think about joining me uh, is a group of eight wonderful women that will get together to discuss how they can ask and get paid with their worth. So if you're somebody who works hard, accomplishes a lot, but still struggles to ask for a raise or to charge your clients what you know you deserve, This course is for you. We'll talk about pricing. We'll talk about negotiation strategy. We'll look into your negotiation mindset, and I'll help you make peace with money. The best part about this class is that you are part of a community of powerful women looking to support each other. Trust me, I've done this course several times, and people walk away feeling more at ease talking about money and having the tools that they need to negotiate, to price their services, to ask for what they're worth, and to no longer live in fear when they need to negotiate their fee. Check it out at breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiating hyphen masterclass. I'll also put the link in the show notes. So ping me if you're interested or sign up today. We are here today with Maggie Lopez. She's an estate attorney, and she is talking about the three myths about millennials and estate planning and giving us great advice so far. Uh, What I want to shift our conversation to, Maggie, is really talking about what I see as one of the biggest roadblocks for individuals and families around estate planning, and that is not only not being proactive around setting up these documents but also that fear of discussing uh, these situations in your family and so tell me a little bit about uh, your perspective like how does it come up for clients you work with who are millennials like how do they how does it come up that we need to have a conversation uh, my my dream would be millennials are more open to the conversation than boomers and traditionalists but i'm not sure that's true Uh, So how do you help clients break money silence around this issue?
0: What I have seen with uh, my millennial clients is that really it only becomes a concern to them is if they have a child. And that is the first thing they think of, oh, I'm pregnant. I need to put an estate planning estate plan in place, which is frankly, I mean, better than nothing. Absolutely. You want to have a will set up so that you're able to nominate guardians and there's, you know, direction as to what happens when you pass away. And it's interesting to me that that's when it comes up is when they're not thinking of themselves per se, they're thinking okay. of someone else. And that is, you know, that's wonderful, and I'm glad that that's even when it's happening. Sometimes it doesn't happen at all, so um, you know, I'll take what I can get. But you know, facing your mortality and starting to think about that, I think, is kind of a natural process of becoming a parent. So I think that's that's part of the reason why it comes up so often um, around that time.
2: And you know, the other thing that I see in my work is this idea of like you know, well, I don't want to talk to my parents about it. So we're no longer talking about ourselves. We're talking about our aging parents Mm -hmm. and the myth of like, well, my parents are going to live forever. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about it because mom and dad aren't going anywhere. And, you know, you can deny and deny and deny. But when you, you know, when the millennial generation starts to get into their fifties and sixties, it's hard to deny that eventually the parents are going to go. So how do you address that issue with people who are maybe concerned about their parents, but fearful of talking to them?
0: Talking to your parents about their own estate plan, um, talking to them about your estate plan can certainly be a hurdle. I know there's a lot of people that are fearful of having this conversation with their parent, because they, you know, they just don't want to know <laughs> what's going on. Or they don't want to confront that mortality, as you said, that their parent could, you know, one day pass away. And, you know, generally speaking, millennials, like we hold our parents to a very high regard. So we don't necessarily think, you know, they, they you know, we, we trust that they have everything figured out. And maybe there's not enough questioning happening. And, you know, as you said, it's, it's probably likely that those, their parents, who a lot of the times are, um, you know, baby boomers, they haven't had that discussion with their children because it hasn't been a very, you know, it wasn't necessarily status quo to talk about your finances and death and what happens when all of that occurs, especially with your children. So I, I certainly am of the belief that if you are having trouble having those conversations with your parents, perhaps start first by having that conversation about your own plan with your parents, and maybe that can open the door and facilitate. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like never really
2: recommended that. That's great because you mm. start with, you know, parents are always concerned about their kids, so you start mm. where it might be more comfortable for them. Right. I got excited. I jumped in. So finish your thought.
0: <laughs> no, that no that that's that's great. Yes, I I definitely recommend trying that out because if they see that you are thinking about these things, and maybe that will. Th- trigger them to think either A, I need to get on this, or B, oh, you know, they're thinking about it. Maybe now is a good time for me to also let them know what we're thinking. Um, And that can lead to just a broader
2: discussion. You know, I do a lot of one-on-one coaching around engaging in these conversations. And what I find across the board is the people that come to work with me are either, you know, adult children, so usually millennials, sometimes Gen Xers, who are really concerned about the silence in their family around what's going to happen after mom and dad die. Mm-hmm. Or I have somebody coming in who is a boomer or traditionalist that is really worried about how do I have this conversation with my kids or if they don't have kids with my nieces and nephews or whoever's significant in my life without upsetting them. So mm-hmm. it's it's like everybody's walking on eggshells, mm-hmm. but the bonus of the work that I do is I see how many people want to have these conversations. It's just really hard for them to start the conversations. Mm-hmm. So in addition to talking to your parents about maybe your own estate plan, is there any other you know, tips or recommendations or advice you might want to give around engaging that conversation or taking this next step?
0: Sure. I mean, I think besides talking about your own estate plan, I think starting with a a, either it can be a story you either heard or maybe it's you've heard a horror story um, of one of your friends and their family. I think maybe broaching the topic with, oh, you know, I had a friend where this happened to them and oh my gosh, wouldn't it be so terrible if that happened to us? I would love to like talk more about what you're thinking with respect to your own estate plan. I think, you know, inserting a little bit of healthy fear is not a, a terrible thing, you know, whether it's, it's something in a situation that's happened that is adjacent to you or um, that you've heard that has happened. I think that really incentivizes people to get moving.
2: Yes, absolutely. And so you are actually part of a series on uh, breaking money silence on healthy aging. And millennials may be out there, the ones listening, thinking, well, we're not old. Why are we part of healthy aging? (laughs) But it really is about setting the stage to not only help your Uh, parents who are aging have these conversations and for you to be informed. But the inevitable is we're all aging. And it sounds like you really believe, Maggie, that now is the time when you're younger to get these documents in place. Um, So I love everything that you've said today. I'm wondering if there is maybe one piece of advice or some key takeaway you want to leave with our listeners today.
0: this ties into what you just said too, is that my biggest piece of advice would be not to wait till a crisis happens. That is when most people start thinking about an estate plan, whether it's for themselves or their parents, and then it just becomes a thousand times harder when you're coming from a crisis standpoint. And I really just urge people to think, well, even if everything's okay right now, between now and tomorrow, something could happen. You just don't know. No one is immortal. Uh, no one is immune to terrible things happening to them. And, and it sounds morbid um, and scary, but it's it's just very true. And that is the reality that we live with. So I absolutely recommend that people start thinking about it today, yesterday, (laughs) ideally, before, uh, you know, tragedy might strike or a situation comes up in your family that Will then make it even more difficult. And, you know, as, as millennials, we, we think, yes, obviously we're young, which is very true, but your parents, you know, the baby boomer generation generally, they're getting older and they might be completely 100% healthy today, but that's not always guaranteed forever. So the sooner you can have those conversations, the better.
2: So I challenge people who are listening in today to set a date where they're going to inquire about uh, setting up an estate plan if they haven't already or updating their estate plan, because its I think it is definitely a worthy investment. And even if you know nothing tragic happens, I have to tell you, I've done mine a few times. And each time you do it, you feel really adult and you feel really good about the fact that you are giving this gift to whoever the next generation is for you because you're helping them worry less at a time where uh, they might be really overwhelmed with whatever the emotions are. So I strongly encourage people listen to uh, Maggie's, information and really take it to heart and actually set a date for either having the conversation or starting the process. So Maggie, tell us more about where people can find out about your work, about your firm. And I just absolutely love that you're passionate about helping millennials with this really important topic.
0: Thanks, Kathleen. Uh, Yes, you can find more information about me and um, our firm, Aaron Fox Schiff at afslaw.com. There is an attorney drop down menu there. You can search for me there. We have several other practice groups if you are so inclined to take a look. We're a wonderful firm and can help you with a variety of services. Um, You can also find more information about myself on my LinkedIn page.
2: And I can't leave without asking, where do we find out about the dancing part of your life?
0: (laughs) That is a very good question. Kathleen. I generally reserve that for uh, my personal social media usage. Uh, So either Facebook or Instagram, but I actually, I, every now and then we'll teach a class at the dance complex. So um, I'm not sure how good they are about updating their schedules online, but when in doubt, reach out to me on LinkedIn and I can absolutely forward you that information.
2: Excellent. I have to say you're not our first dancer. So I just love to see all the different aspects of the professionals that I have on the podcast. Well, it's been a joy, Maggie, to chat with you. I knew it would be. And I just loved breaking money silence with you. So thank you very much for your time and your expertise.
0: Thank you, Kathleen. This was really fun.
2: This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. Helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans. To find out more...